We're going to turn together to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Let's start reading at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. You just love Paul's vision of Jesus. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by each supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We thank you, God, today for the gift of your word. Help us to hear it, God. Help us to understand it. Help us to step into it. Help us to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> uh, how many people here have been up to North Wales? Yeah, there is a North Wales, just above the M4, you've just got to keep going. Uh, how many people have been to Anglesey? The famous castle on Anglesey is Bumaris. Yeah, how many people have been? Uh, I was surprised, because we'd been up to Anglesey and we'd, we'd heard about this castle. Did anybody know what they call this castle? I hadn't heard about this either. Uh, apparently, it's an unfinished castle. Now, I had no idea about this, but the original design was for about twice the height. But about halfway through, they started to get worried about money and uh, the time it was taking. Uh, and so somebody stopped and looked at the castle and thought, do you know what? I think that's, that's a castle. That's done. Uh, apparently, there are some tur turrets in the back of the castle that aren't even finished. So the outside of them is, is built. But if you wanted to go up them, you just you couldn't do Well, there's no stairs. You couldn't do it easily. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an unfinished castle. Did you know that? Now we can tell others now and just see how impressive you are. And it kind of got me thinking. You know, sometimes everything looks right, doesn't it? Everything seems okay on the outside. But on the inside, we're aware, aren't we, that we're unfinished. Uh, the places that we don't talk about or share with other people regularly and freely and openly, 
those things in us that God is still working on and speaking into and, and shaping, we're, we're unfinished. Uh, we've been in a series for a while called Elementary, uh, diving into that passage in, in Hebrews, where uh, there, there's a list of elementary teachings about Jesus. And last week we began uh, thinking about going on to maturity, and I want to pick up that theme uh, for us today because it's a massive theme. Of what does it mean to be mature in Christ? How mature am I? How mature are you in Christ? How do you know? How do you move on from where you are to going deeper? <clears throat> and one more question. What has a hamster going to space got to do with that? I'll come back to that in, in just a moment. So I want to point us this morning to uh, four fuels for maturity. I don't think we've got the remote on, have we, uh, Rich? Fab, we have. That's great. Uh, four different fuels for maturity. As I've been um, studying this passage, uh, one of the things that um, people who teach and, and preach try to do is, is to look at a word that's used. Uh, and the writer to the Hebrews talks about going on to maturity. And one of the ways to understand how the Bible uses a word is to look at other places where that word comes up. Uh, so there are nine times in the New Testament that this word mature comes up. I'm not going to look at all nine. I can see some of your faces going a little bit wide-eyed. Uh, but I do want to look at four times when the Bible talks about maturity to understand what it is and, and how we get there. So four different fields for maturity. One of the times, one of the first times it's used in the New Testament is in a parable that Jesus tells, this story that opens up something of the kingdom, reveals something of the kingdom. There's one time when uh, the crowds are so massive that Jesus has got to step into a boat and the boat is pushed out from the shore just so that everyone can see him and so he can see everyone. And as he looks at this land mass of people listening, he tells a story about a farmer who scatters seed. It's a picture, isn't it, of him speaking to the people, his word going out. And in this parable, he says that the seed falls in, in different places, that it's received differently, that there's some of it that falls on the path and gets eaten up by the birds, that there's some that falls among rocky soil and never takes root. There's some that falls among weeds and, and thorns and brambles. And then there's some that finds the good soil. And then he finishes that parable by saying, let those who have ears to hear, hear. In other words, do you get the story uh, that I can scatter seed, I can, I can share the word, Jesus is saying, but it's up to the soil. Like, how is your heart receiving this? How, how fertile is your life for the, the seed, the word of God? Will it, will it find a root? Will it take root uh, in your life? And as part of that parable, he explains then to the disciples the meaning. He breaks it down uh, piece by piece. And at one point, he, he describes those that fall among the weeds. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. One of the biggest challenges to spiritual growth is distraction. There are times when I'm really focused and times when I'm terribly distracted. One of the first questions, one of the first fuels for spiritual maturity is, is it a priority in our lives? How much am I thinking about my growth? How much am I praying for my growth? How much am I trying to track my growth? Is it a priority for me? Uh, and one way that you can think about that practically is to look at your rhythm, look at, look at your lifestyle. Does it seem like a priority? 
I remember reading a book called uh, Soul Keeping uh, a few years ago by a guy called John Altberg. And he talks about a relationship he has with a spiritual mentor. Anybody heard of Dallas Willard? Fantastic author. Very, one of the cleverest minds ever, I think. He's a genius guy. And John um, asks him to be his sort of spiritual director, somebody he can call on for advice and insight and that kind of thing. And this goes on for a while. And one day it stops being, I'll come and see you, and it's, I'll just phone you because life's really busy. So he picks up the phone to speak to Dallas Willard. And he says, um, so you, you know me, you know my life, you know where I'm up to. What do I need to focus on in this season? And Dallas Willard thinks for a second and he says, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John scribbles that down and goes, yep, next. <laughs> ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Sometimes we are busy. But busyness and hurriedness are, are different things, aren't they? What would it look like to prioritize spiritual growth so much that we wanted to ruthlessly eliminate hurry, to deliberately slow down, to create space, to create time? Because the truth is that we can find time for the things we really want to do. So is it a priority for us? That's the first fuel here uh, for us. Secondly, it won't just take a priority check, it'll take a pride check. This is the hamster that went to space. How many people saw this story in the news? We obviously read very different newspapers. It, was, it wasn't quite front page on mine. Uh, but yes, they, um, it's, it's a new company that are experimenting with space tourism, which is a big thing. It'll probably be you know, years before it's cheap enough for, for me to go, but my name is on the list. But they, uh, they created this pressurized environment that was about the same as life on Earth. And they put this hamster in it with a camera. You can see him there. That's an actual photo. Nobody's that impressed by this at all, are they? Just, this is exciting, guys. Uh, and they propelled him 14 miles up uh, into the air, up, in, up into space. And what I love about the footage that came back is just how unbothered this hamster is. It, um, I mean, what's going through his mind at that point? He's looking at the planet. He's having a view that very, very few people, precious few people have ever seen. And he's just wondering what on earth is, is happening. And sometimes in our lives, we get used to things, don't we? We're looking at something that should blow our minds, that should wipe us out, give us wonder and joy and excitement, and it's just same old, same old. Paul, when he wrote to the church in, in Philippi, talks about his own journey. And underlying what he's saying, I think, is this idea, don't get so used to the view of Jesus, that you think you've gone as high as you can go. He writes about himself. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, he underlines it here again if you haven't got it yet. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm straining towards. You know, if you were to take a, a kind of a photo picture of what's going on 
in Paul's heart. He's, he's less of a Mo Farah, you know, this incredible runner who looks so relaxed, doesn't he, as he's jogging along these incredible distances, and more like a Usain Bolt. You know, he's straining towards, he's, he's pushing on. And part of that means not thinking I've arrived. One of the biggest barriers to spiritual growth is thinking that we know it all, that we've got it all, that we can do it all. Sometimes we just need to take a pride check. Where am I actually at with Jesus? I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, these next words, only an apostle could write. He says, all of us then who are mature should take a view of, some, of, of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that God too will make that clear to you. Only apostles could say, if you disagree with me, well, God will sort that out for you. But I love this. Maturity is not thinking that you've made it. Maturity is realizing how far you've got to go. I remember when um, I first went off to, to university, the Humanities Building in Cardiff has got a, a library with floors and floors and floors of theological books. And you find a section uh, where you're, you know, you've, there's books you want to read about or, or, or write about. And a big part of the journey for me was realizing just how much there is out there, just how much there is to know. And sometimes we've got to come to that place, sometimes God will bring us to a place of realizing you're not there yet. You do not have to know it all. In fact, it's dangerous when you think that you do. When you hear a passage of scripture read, you say, oh, I know, I know what that's about. Opportunities come up to, to serve, you that's not really what. What I do is not how I get involved. Can God still work in us? Can God still encourage and inspire and, and use us? Uh, but we, we need to take a, a pride check. Thirdly, maturity looks like perseverance training. Anybody know what, what this is in the picture there that's got a red circle around it? This was posted recently by somebody who received it from their postage company as proof of delivery. This delivery driver couldn't get a package from perfume.com uh, delivered to this person. Uh, and so they went around the back of the house, and there was uh, two gardens in between the lane and the back of this house. And so the delivery person decided the best way to deliver it was to lob it uh, over these two fences. Uh, it must have been quite high for him to do it and take a photo at the same time. Uh, and so, yeah, they sent that through as proof of delivery. When this was posted online, somebody commented on it. You should have asked him if he wanted a cup of tea, made a cup of tea, and then kicked it into the next garden and said, oh, it's been safely delivered into the next garden for you. But it's true, isn't it, that in our lives, there's an easy way to do things, and there's a hard way to do things. All of us face that challenge, don't we, in our spiritual lives. Will I actually put the time in, or will I just lob something in? Perseverance produces maturity. This passage from, from James highlights this for us. Consider it pure joy. Not just joy, pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He goes on to say, let perseverance finish it work, its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. These must be some of the toughest scriptures to actually 
apply actually live by. When you face a test, when you face a challenge, to face it with that joy of knowing there's a purpose in this. I might not be enjoying it, but as I'm enduring it, it's producing in me a sense of, of perseverance, and perseverance produces maturity, perseverance training. I was interested uh, to be reading uh, only last week, I'll come back to that one, uh, a, a report that the Evangelical Alliance had, had produced. Uh, they did a survey of over 2,000 different uh, Christian leaders to ask how the church was doing after the pandemic, uh, after COVID. And there was a, a mixed bag of responses. Uh, but one of the things they asked about is, well, how's attendance like uh, in, in church life now? And generally across the UK, uh, attendance is down about 33%. Uh, there is some growth inside of that as new people have come to faith and uh, come to church, find it online, etc., etc. But generally, the church has been hit by a 33%, a third uh, of, of people who are no longer attending that did. Uh, and the report goes into some of the effects of that, the effects on churches' budgets, the effects on churches' volunteers to run things and staff things, that it's a very different landscape that church leaders are, are looking at. They're looking at their resources. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is that regular attendance is down, uh, that those who uh, say that they're regular, regular attenders uh, have gone from attending weekly to more, more commonly fortnightly or, or monthly. And again, it was just noted that that is a big shift for us uh, as we're trying to grow community together and understand God's vision and momentum and direction. It's not easy to do that when you're dipping in and out of a story that, that's being written. Perseverance produces maturity, not just for, for practical reasons. One of the things that was reflected on, uh, on this report was this. It seems that the pandemic served to highlight how consumer-driven church life had become for many of us. The problem is not that these that people aren't going to church, but do not see themselves as part of the church. And it's true, isn't it? The church can become very consumer-driven. After church on a Sunday, if somebody said to you, how was it? How would you describe church? As we've sort of put big screens at the front, and church looks a little bit more like a cinema. It can feel like we're going just to spectate, just to watch rather than to participate. I remember a few years ago when a whole bunch of people were doing some preacher training, and one question that was often asked after they'd preached was, how did they do? And I kind of thought, well, how do you want me to answer that? Do we like people when they preach because they tell us what we already believe and give us loads of chances to say amen? Or is it good because it actually uncovered what the scriptures were trying to say and however painful applied it to us? The question is not how do they do? The Bible calls us to be hearers and doers of the word, doesn't it? So the question is, how did I do when I was listening? But church can become, if we're not careful, consumer-driven. We choose churches because we like the music or we like the, the youth work or whatever it is, rather than coming to participate in the worship, in the fellowship, in the sharing, in the mission together. The problem, he says, is not that people aren't just, not just going to church, but don't see themselves as part of the church. You know, one question that we got asked a lot during the pandemic was, is church on this weekend? 
And that's a big problem because there's a key shift there from church being just an event or a program or a building to being a family together. Nobody would say to you, is your family on this weekend? That just wouldn't make any sense at all. But we slip so easily, don't we, into this thinking that this is the church or that the service is is the church. It's not. How much of this church are are you a part of? And how much is it part of your life? It goes on to say this. Church attendance might not be the trendiest thing to speak about, but however awkward, it is urgent that we have this essential conversation. This is not just a practical consideration. The Bible commends meeting together as a healthy habit for spiritual growth. To persevere, to continue. It's easy to start something, isn't it? Uh, For ages, I've wanted to sort out the garage. Have you got a space in your house where everything just gets dumped? You know, I'll sort that out, but for now, I'll just stick it in the garage. A few wives looking at their husbands with daggers in their eyes. Uh, And I've just known for ages that we need to get it sorted out. And so, uh, with my birthday money, I've hired a skip. I'm excited about this. It's very, very sad. I'm aware of that. Uh, I've, I've hired a skip and... Amy will tell you just how excited I was when, when the skip arrived. And the funny thing is, when you've got a skip on your drive, you end up doing this around the house. Do we need, could I just fit a little bit more in? But it's because it's there and you can do it. It'd be much better, wouldn't it? Anytime something went in the garage that needed to go to the tip, you just took it to the tip. But we tend to sprint at things, don't we? I remember uh, chatting to somebody at a minister's meeting recently who was sharing his testimony. And not been a minister long, not been a Christian long. Uh, but in the past few years, he's, he's come to faith. And he said that when he first discovered, I can be forgiven, I can be free, there was this huge sense of joy and excitement. And he'd look around on a Sunday and think, why is nobody excited? You know, heaven is ours, freedom is ours. Why is nobody bouncing off, you know, off the ceiling about this? And he said, over time, I became part of the fabric of the place. And that excitement kind of died away. And I had to discover if my passion was just an initial knee-jerk reaction or if it was something deeper. Can I find pure joy in the trials? Because I know there's a purpose in it. Because I know I'm being shaped by it and others are seeing Jesus through it. That's a challenge, isn't it? a deeper joy, a richer joy. We said it last week that Christian maturity is not marked by how high you can jump in praise, but how straight you can walk in obedience. And it's just true. So another fuel for maturity is is perseverance training. And then finally, people power. We need other people in this. And I think this is one of the key things. When we talk about church being a family together and and gathering together, the truth is not just that we need bums on seats. We need each other. You you have a story in God that I need to learn from, that I need to know, uh, and I have one for for you as well. I've got experience in, in struggles that I can share, and you can share yours with me. You've got gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. Don't think you haven't. The Bible says you have. You've got gifts. And as we come together as a body, there's an opportunity to share those together. 
to love each other, to share together, to pray for each other. We're not just coming to, 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 to fill a seat. We're bringing some of that love, some of that passion together. We need each other more than we know. I remember a few years ago when I was um, still in college, going out to preach somewhere. Uh, and during the preach, for some reason, a fly flew in and landed on my cheek. I don't know why. Some of you will think, well, it's because you smell. But I don't know why I just decided to land there. And for whatever reason, I didn't feel this fly on my face at all. So everybody sat there listening to me try and talk about God and theology and heaven and all this kind of stuff, thinking, does he not know? There's a fly on his face. How can you not know? So Amy, bless her, wrote a little note. There's a fly on your face. <laughs> and came up and put it on the, the lectern that I was speaking on. So I'm there talking, and I look down at this piece of paper, but all, the only word I see is fly. And I thought, oh, my fly's undone. <laughs> so, so I was very spiritual. I said, let's just pause to pray. And I looked down, and I said, no, my fly, my fly is not undone. We need people, don't we? Because I can't see myself. And you can't see yourself. Who's going to tell you? There's a fly on your face. Who have you invited to speak truth into your life? Because all of us could just carry on, couldn't we? And drift towards not, not being part of what God is doing. Drift away from God's passion for us, his purpose for our lives. Or we could surround ourselves with people who will say to us, who will call us, who will ask us the awkward questions. The trouble is that takes time, doesn't it? I'm not just going to do that straight away. It takes time to build up relationships. It takes time to get to know people. It takes time to take off the mask so that people can really get to know us. That passage we read from Ephesians earlier. This is the purpose, guys. Paul talks about the, the, the ministry of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. This is why he came. That's why he descended. That's why he ascended and sent the Spirit that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's important those things go together, isn't it? Maturity and unity. Because me talking to you about the fly on your face or the fly on my face can't just be about, I don't like that about you. It's got to be a unity that undergirds that and that drives it. It goes on to say, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Maturity means that sense of confidence, doesn't it? That sense of, of groundedness. So that when challenge comes, when a question comes, or uh, when a crisis hits, I'm not just blown about. I've, I, I know my anchor. I, I know where I am. How do we get there? Well, it goes on to say this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Unfortunately, I would love it to be different, but the Bible gives us this as a fuel for maturity. That the journey from here to there, from immaturity to greater maturity, 
requires speaking the truth in love. And truth without love is brutal. Love without truth is weak. We do nobody a favor by not telling them the truth. But how will they hear it if not in, in loving terms? Loving tones. Who are you surrounding yourself with who can speak truth to you? It doesn't always have to be a negative thing. The, the truth could be, that was great what you did. That's a real gift that you've got. You could explore this. Or it might be, have you thought about this? Do you think you just need to, to look at that? Speaking the truth in love. People power. Maybe for some of us that means signing up to come on Bless in September and finding others who will walk with each other in deliberate discipleship. Maybe for others it means looking at joining a small group where you can dive into the scriptures week in, week out and find others who will get to know you and share with you and, and pray with you. Maybe it means deliberately finding one or two other people that you will decide deliberately, I'm going to open up my heart to you. You know, the, the, the weird thing is, it's the scariest thing in the world, but it is the most powerful thing in the world. Four fuels for maturity. I just want to leave that there for just a moment as, as we come to pray. Just for us to ask the question, God, how am I growing? And, and if I'm not growing, or if I'm struggling to grow, what do I need to do? What do I need to, to step into? Is there a priority I need to make or change? Is there a pride check I need to take? Do I need to persevere with something where I've been giving up? And are there people I need to ask and invite to speak truth to me? And wherever that lands for us today, because my suspicion is it'll be slightly different for each of us, just turn that into prayer. I just want to give you a moment just between you and God. Hide me in your love. Bring me to my knees. And may I know Jesus more and more. Lord Jesus, we long to know you more. to get to a point, to get to a place where we know you so well. Where we sense your passion, your, your call 
so deeply, so innately. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've already revealed to us, for all you've already made known and made real to us. But we don't want to settle. We don't want to be content where we are. We don't want to get so used to the view that we think we've gone as high as we can go. But we thank you that faithfulness is, is a gift of your spirit. That we don't have to generate this. We can ask you to pour more of it into, into our hearts. So would you help us to persevere? To keep going? To press on? To forget what's behind? And a strain towards what's ahead. And would you give us the courage to let others in on that journey? To walk in the light as you are in the light. That we might have fellowship with one another and that the blood of Jesus, your son, might cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And teach us, Lord, not just to live for you. Teach us how we can live with you.